1: Elevated. The Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us again today. At long last, it's a game day, or at least it should be. Can't be too cautious when proclaiming any day to be a game day, given the health and safety protocols being what they are. As of this taping, Charlotte will host its native son, Steph Curry, and the Golden State Warriors tonight. As you may have grown accustomed to, we generally do game previews on a game day, but we had a special opportunity for all of you that we decided to take advantage of For this podcast, LaMelo Ball has captivated the basketball world with his spectacular play in his rookie season. Yesterday, Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated published a piece focusing on the Hornets' wonder kid. He highlighted him as the compelling reason fans and media members are making the Hornets a must-watch on their league pass schedule and said he is the star that is making Hornets basketball an entertaining product at a level it has never been before. Chris was kind enough to join us for today's Hornets Hivecast to talk about LaMelo, his feature piece on the Hornets rookie, the all-star chances of Gordon Hayward, and Chris's expectations for the Hornets this season with regards to the playoffs. So with that, we welcome the man himself, Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated, senior writer who just completed a column on LaMelo Ball and his impact here on the Queen City and the Hornets. Chris, thank you so much for your time.
0: All good, man. Good to talk to you.
1: Let's just start on the column. What did you learn about LaMelo Ball working on this piece?
0: Well, you know what your eyes tell you, right? That he is a dynamic playmaker, a a better-than-expected shooter, and somebody that is a lot more NBA-ready than many people across the NBA thought pre-draft. What I was curious about was kind of the adjustment for Lamelo. i mean he came into the adjustment i guess to Lamelo is the better uh, way to phrase it i mean he came into the league a known commodity in a way or at least known because of his visibility and you know you wonder if coaches and teammates look negatively on that if if he comes in kind of behind the eight ball in a way because people know of the ball family they know of Labar and they Think of uh, Lamelo as more of a Hollywood type of guy, but you know, talking to James Borrego and you know a couple of other people around the organization, it doesn't seem like that's the case at all, or, or ever has been the case. It seems like he's pretty widely embraced by his teammates. I mean, Borrego and I talked for a while about his personal experiences with Lamelo from the Los Angeles workout to training camp to to where we are now, and you know, throughout it all, he said Lamelo has been nothing but positive and and professional. And look, maybe you could say that about a lot of rookies because rookies come into the league with something to prove, but yeah, you know, I just think with kind of the the perception of LaMelo coming in, it's important for him for for coaches and other people to say that and to really believe that about him because the talent is obvious, but as a point guard, as a leader, if he's not fully embraced by his teammates, it's not going to work at the highest level and Based on my conversations, it certainly seems like, you know, top to bottom, everyone has embraced him.
1: I've had similar experiences as well because it seems like the perception is almost a mirage with him because we feel like we know him since we've seen him since he was 14 years old, but we don't really because he went away for so long, and uh, even though he was a social media star, wasn't necessarily in front of the media an awful lot. And so a, a lot of players I've talked to have remarked they were surprised how tall he was because maybe they really only saw him when he was 14 15 years old and kind of skipped over the last couple of years and now they see him again and he's six foot eight or when they saw him his game was primarily I'm in the building so I'm going to shoot now and now he is this supreme playmaker
0: yeah you know I think everybody coming in probably understood just how sharp the playmaking skills were I mean you saw it at sixteen in high school, you saw it in Lithuania, you saw it in Australia, I mean you saw it at every stop along the way, but his his adaptation to the NBA game. One thing, you know, I asked Brego, said, you know, you knew about the vision, but like what else, you know, fundamentally with his game surprised you and you know he rattled off a couple of things. One of the most interesting things I thought was was rebounding. And and not just that he's a good rebounder, but he's a enthusiastic rebounder an aggressive rebounder. Somebody as a rookie who is still, you know, relatively you know, he's gonna get a lot stronger clearly as the years go by as he fills out that frame. But even now, just willing to mix it up with seven footers and big wings and his willingness to do that has, you know, really kick start this transition offense. I mean the you know the Hornets right now, after being what, thirtieth in the NBA in pace last year, are what, the top half of the league at least in pace this year. And Lamel's a big reason for that. I think there's still within the top five in shots in seven seconds or less which is a big number for coaches that they watch and and that's largely in part because Lamel is able to grab rebounds and just go and and play in the open floor without catching an outlet just taking the ball and and pushing it that part of his game you know the rebounding and and the ability to push off those rebounds is something i think that surprised even the coaches
1: chris the the statistics for LaMelo Ball are impressive amongst the rookie class, very impressive when you focus it down to just what he's done as a starter. But it really only tells half the story because, as you've mentioned, his impact on the team goes well beyond that. And the star potential or star power he already has is something that's been rare in this market.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you almost call it unique in a way. I mean, it, like I don't know. like There have been some good players – that have shuttled through Charlotte over the years. I mean, most recently Kemba, who was phenomenal. If you go back to the early aughts, you're looking at the Baron Davis's and jabal Mashburns and you know, Alonzo Mourning. Before that, I don't think anybody, though, has the star power potential of Lamelo Ball. At least not in, in Charlotte basketball history. I mean, he has, you know, the potential not just to be a great player. But to bring the kind of relevancy to Charlotte that, frankly, has never seen, I think, in in the history of the franchise. I mean, there hasn't been that type of player that you tune into on League Pass. And I say that, you know, with firsthand knowledge. I mean, I mean, as an NBA writer, I watched some Hornets games over the years, obviously. But now it's kind of become like a priority. Like, I I look for them on League Pass because I want to see – what what LaMelo uh, has been doing or is going to do on any given night. And yeah, you know, I, I think that's important. That's important not just to energize a fan base that when we weren't all- allowed in stands didn't come in all that often. You know, their are have of rank towards the bottom in attendance in recent years. I think once we're allowed back into buildings, that's going to change and LaMelo is going to play a big part of that. And as you start to get into, you know, recruiting free agents, not just the guys that you have to pay a lot of money for, but guys that might have options at sort of the mid-level. You know, LaMelo's going to be a factor in all that. I mean, when you have a point guard that can dazzle and is a pass-first type of guy and bring some sizzle to the team, that's going to be an appealing piece. So, I mean, he checks a lot of boxes for what Charlotte hasn't had in a generation. I think he has really, really has the power, not to put too much pressure on him, but really has the power to be a transformative type figure. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season.
1: Chris VanLex of Sports Illustrated, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Chris, kind of align with what you've been working on on LaMelo Ball. You've also done a lot of work recently on the All-Star Game and in your podcast picking rosters, uh, as well as just talking about the game in general before going directly into that, where would Lamelo have been on your all-star ballot? How close was he, maybe just based off his starter stats, to being in the conversation even?
0: Yeah, I mean, as a media voter, we only vote for the starters, right? And in that, in that context, he wasn't on the radar. I mean, he just... He's playing the worst possible position to get into the All Star mix. I mean, when I cast my vote, I mean I left Kyrie Irving off, and I, you know, as I kind of you know played out the the top twelve players, I left Kyrie Irving off the team, and the guy's averaging like career highs in in production this year. I mean, it's just such a, a difficult area to crack at that point guard position. Certainly, his his starter numbers are all-star worthy just haven't been enough of them i think it's what eight games and he's averaging like 20 points and you know six and five i mean you stack it up against other guys in the league and he's you know you have names like lebron and others that are only doing what lamello is doing but it's just it's just too uh, too small too small a sample size it look if if he continues this this arc i think next year he absolutely could get into the all-star mix but for right now he's just in an incredibly you know stacked field that makes it makes it real different i mean i think one thing that works in Lamelo's favor both not so much this year i guess i don't think he will make the team but you know next year moving forward is that the hornets are playing good basketball and you know all-star voters and coaches i mean they they reflect on on winning and you know if a team is winning they're more likely to lean towards the guy that's leading that team so i think in the in the very near future you're going to see Lamelo ball in the mix for an all-star spot
1: With that in mind, what are your thoughts on Gordon Hayward's candidacy? I know that there's a few games between now and when the team would actually pick, so there's an opportunity here for the Hornets and Gordon to show statistically and record-wise that uh, this team is deserving of an All-Star and he is deserving to be it. But given the situation right now, where do you think he rates on the All-Star game pecking order?
0: Well, first and foremost, Gordon has been great. I mean, I, I live in Boston, and, you know, I chronicled almost weekly the Gordon Hayward experience from the ankle injury to the second-year recovery to the ups and downs of that third season. Uh, I think he was on track to have this type of year last year before the hand injury derailed him, but what he's done this year, he he's really gotten as close to the player that we saw in Utah than we have before you know he's he's better this year than he was in the three years in boston and obviously if you see what's going on in boston i mean i think they probably pay him double to get him back uh, in that mix right now but it, again it's just as i look at the all-star ball- all-star field it's just a tough field right now i mean i my final few spots in the all-star mix and gordon Hamer was part of that group but i whittled it down towards the end to basically Kyrie. Julius Randle and Tobias Harris. And Randle has to, I think, get a spot for what he's done all year long. Harris, I I can't have the Sixers having one all-star. I I, I just can't. And and Ben Simmons, I think Harris has outplayed Ben Simmons for for most of the first half of the season. And Kyrie's doing kind of what he's doing. So I I think you know if you expanded these rosters to 15, 16 guys, Hayward would absolutely be on the team. I just think it's, in my mind anyway, he's just going to be a little bit short.
1: I definitely agree with you on the Tobias Harris pick. Julius Randle, I I, I agree. He, he kind of falls into that pool and, and it goes to show how difficult it is to make an all-star team because 12 spots goes really fast.
0: Yeah, he had a great first month and now he's having a great finish. Like the middle part wasn't all-star-ish for Julius Randle, but he's finishing the first half of the season on a high note and the Knicks are still playing surprisingly good basketball. It's one of those like the expectation for the Knicks were zero. You you have to reward somebody on that group, but if you do, it's going to be Julius Randle. So it's look, it's going to be a tough call for the coaches on those last few spots.
1: The game itself, I know from listening to your work, it's it's not your favorite thing in terms of the value of it right now in the context of everything going on in the world with COVID, or at least that's the impression I get from reading your work and listening to mm-hmm. the podcast. But I feel like with the draft of players by team captains. There's, they've added some some entertainment value building up to the game, and then the Elam ending in particular really changed the way the game was played uh, in terms of the emphasis put on it by players and, and just the effort put in. But what are your thoughts on this game as of right now? Uh, it looks like it's going to be played. It looks like most of the superstars, even some reluctantly, are willing to go.
0: Yeah, I, I still think it's unnecessary at this point because of where we are in the world to kind of bring players in from all corners of the country to play basically an exhibition game it doesn't feel like a money grab it is a money grab i mean i I personally think all-star is kind of goofy but i mean 7.3 million people watched it last year that would be more than any game rated during this season including the christmas day game so you know there's you know, a, a need for the NBA to cater to sponsors. There's a need for the NBA to cater to its broadcast partners, especially with the lack of revenue coming in from the live gate. So I, I understand the fundamentals of it. I just think it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's an unnecessary risk. I, I will say this, and, you know, I've had many people in the NBA in my ear over the last couple of weeks talking about this, and, and in a way that I've come around on some parts of it. I mean, they're not flying players in for a weekend, they're basically bringing them in and out all the players and family members are going to be tested. And that doesn't make it completely safe, but I would say, like, when the All-Star break starts, players are basically allowed to kind of do their thing. You know, they're they're given more freedom, the ones that are not All-Stars, than ones that are, are involved in the game. And I'm not, probably not telling you anything you don't know, but players, not necessarily the, the most strict, don't follow the strict COVID protocols all the time. And, like, these guys... I mean, they're going to bounce around. They're going to go on vacation. They might put themselves in some riskier situations. The bottom line is that you can make a pretty strong argument that the players involved with All-Star Weekend during those days are safer, at least when it comes to COVID-19, than the players that are not involved in All-Star Weekend because I don't get the sense that every player is going to be locking himself in his house for the five, six, seven days over All-Star Weekend and camping out in a hyperbaric chamber. I think they're going to go out and do their thing. And it's not going to surprise me at all in the week, two weeks after all-star ends to see another spike in, in COVID cases, because I think some of these guys are going to cut loose. And, you know, if you're involved in all-star at the very least you are involved in the same testing protocols that, that NBA teams are involved in right now.
1: No, it's very true. And and obviously here in Charlotte, we've been dealing with the health and safety protocols, uh, postponing some games. And it's because they are taking it so seriously that you know one case plus all the contact tracing can sideline several players half a roster and and postpone several games but as you mentioned it's kind of like college football at when Coaches originally were talking about, well, this would be better if they're all on campus. A lot of people rolled their eyes and said, ah, they they just want the kids there so they can play the games and collect the checks. But then you look at the situation and say, no, actually, there is a point to this if you can keep them on campus, so to speak, whether it's college football players or NBA basketball players, if you can keep them in the protocol, and the program, you have a lot more control and there's just a lot more safety net to the whole situation.
0: Yeah, I think there's plenty of truth to that. I mean, the closer you can get to the full bubble like experience that the NBA created over the summer, the better off you're going to be. And if you can keep guys you know under you know a metaphorical lock and key, you're going to be in a better place. I, I think there by having all star, there is still the nightmare scenario, right? Like the NBA can say we're only having these guys in for thirty six hours or whatever it's going to be, but i mean would it surprise anybody if guys went somewhere or, or or somebody did something and all it really takes is kind of one player to to catch something or, or a couple players to catch something and you could have the biggest stars in the league involved in an outbreak and you know that could you know affect the second half of the season that would make it a PR nightmare for the NBA i understand the odds are are low on that but You know, it 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 may again it goes back to is this an unnecessary roll of the dice. That that to me is what I'm gonna be watching over the next you know month or so. You know, as they come back from All Star, did anybody go to Atlanta and come back with, with the coronavirus Hornets fans the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit Hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today.
1: He's Chris Mannix, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Chris, I want to go back to the LaMelo piece. It's got to be challenging to write a, a column, a feature piece on a player when you have not only little to no access to the player given the COVID protocols, but also, you know, you don't have a a prior relationship necessarily having covered them in the league for a long time. What was the biggest challenge to working on this piece, completing it?
0: Oh, it's it's the same challenge with every story I've done, you know, over the last three months. The lack of access, the lack of kind of having – you know, a hands-on type of experience. I mean, in writing a, a column about Lamello, it's, you know, it's 1,100 words. So it's not necessarily this, you know, long, detailed, you know, profile piece. But for something like this ordinarily, my point of attack is to go down to the city, go down to Charlotte for, you know, three, four days, hopefully catch one or two games hopefully talk to the player, hopefully go to a couple practices or shoot arounds and get with a couple of teammates. Just, you know, soak up as much information as possible. Even talk to just any staffers around the team for anecdotes and things like that. Now you can't get any of that. You you do the best you can and you you certainly make as many phone calls as you can and 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 I had a really good conversation with Borrego about it and, and he was really, you know, interesting with some of the things that he said. But you just don't get the same experience. It's just it's a daily challenge. I nobody cares how reporters do their job you know it's it's not a first world problem necessarily but i do think that part of the fallout from the pandemic is that, for every reporter is that you know readers suffer in a way because you you can get good stuff and you know i think i painted a decent picture of lamello today but you you just don't get the, the fullest possible picture because you can't get a hands-on experience i mean I, I i've been to one game this season overall i went to a game in boston back in january and it was pointless like you're there and you're you're sitting behind in your media seat, but you're behind two inches of plexiglass. And ordinarily you go to a game and I'd step onto the floor and I'd kind of hang out there and wait for coaches, both teams to, to walk by, chat them up a little bit. And you can't do that right now. For many reasons, I'm anxious for this pandemic to end. But among them is to kind of get back to a normal way of reporting out stories.
1: We have similar feelings on the broadcast side. It, it's yeah. uh, there, There's certainly necessary evils. And I applaud the NBA for... All of the protocols they put in place, I think they've been a leader this entire time, but it can be difficult trying to, you know, do play-by-play play for a game when you're separated even more so by all of the restrictions and then not even to, to speak of road games where it's just a whole nother thing. But in terms of the piece on LaMelo, even though you didn't have the same axis you would in, in normal times, you do go from having this wide-angle lens to putting a microscope on the player and focus in on him. What's something you learned about LaMelo that surprised you?
0: Well, I mean, you guys have discussed ad nauseum the shot down there and what is it going to look like long-term. And it's effective enough right now. I think he's shooting mid-30s from three, and that's a really good number for any rookie, especially one with a flawed shot. I guess I'm just curious to see how those conversations with LaMelo go Moving forward, I, I do believe there will be, at the end of the season, another run at LaMelo to, to change his shot, to to let the coaches work with him. I and mean, Barrego, as you know, I mean, he's an alumni of the San Antonio Spurs, and he saw the results firsthand of Richard Jefferson changing his shot, of Kawhi Leonard changing his shot, and the high level of success they did after working with Chip England. Um, will LaMelo embrace that? I mean, I, was, I saw the, the press avail a couple of days ago when – He basically said, everybody's trying to change my shot, but I just say no. And You know, you you have to have guys buying in to do that. I mean, you can't just tell a guy, like, we're going to change your shot. You have to have guys fully embrace it. One thing the Spurs did with Kawhi that I remember from doing some Kawhi stories over the years was they would show Kawhi film or pictures of Kobe Bryant's shot, and they would tell him that this is what we want your shot to look like. So Kobe would kind of be the carrot to all that. Like, well, if you're going to change it to Kobe's shot, then I'm more interested. I'm, I'm curious if Berego, who was around not not during the process of changing Kawhi's shot, but after, I'm curious if Berego tries a, a tactic that's similar. Says, look, you know, we're not just going to change it for the sake of changing it. We're changing into that guy. We want you to shoot like you know a guy you probably grew up worshiping in your your early years. We're going to change it into Kawhi into a uh, Kobe Bryant's type of shot. And if they do, does that have an impact on Lamelo? And if it does, I mean you know what kind of shooter can he become with a revamped shot because Kawhi's become one of the most dangerous shooters, you know, in the league shooting 38 plus percent from three point range. That to me is, you know, one of the most interesting things about LaMelo both now and going forward.
1: Chris, last one for you in the, in the here and now this season, what are your expectations of the Hornets after having watched them maybe a little bit more closely for this piece? Do you feel this is a playoff team?
0: I do. I don't know what kind of flexibility they have or what kind of moves they want to make before the trade deadline. I'd love to see them beef up that front court a little bit, supplement Cody Zeller, do, you know, with somebody either be on the buyout market or in some kind of deal that that looms as a as kind of a weakness of this team. But uh, I mean, they, they've got some serious firepower in that backcourt. I mean, I have been a charter member of team Terry Rogier. I mean, he got pilloried for you know, that contract a couple of years back, but I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I mean, he was part of the dysfunctional Celtics from, from two years ago, but he's still a very good player and showing that this year. Obviously, the, the three-guard back with Graham uh, seems to be working, at least offensively, right now. I mean, I, I think they've got more than enough to, to put themselves, you know, not just in that top 10 range to get into the play-in tournament, but the legit top eight, top seven uh, in this league. So I, I think it's... I guess I'd phrase it like I would be disappointed if the Hornets didn't make the playoffs this year because I think they have enough talent to do it.
1: Chris, thank you so much for your time today and for all your hard work this year and over the years and continued success and stay safe.
0: You got it, Sam, anytime.
1: And our thanks to all of you as well. For all the latest on today's Hornets game, make sure you are following all of the Hornets social media accounts and keep clicking over to Hornets.com. I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us today. And in the words of LaMelo Ball, thank y'all. Have a good day. Where y'all at?